This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Moranalytics Podcast is brought to you by Pulse Cellular. Are you tired of paying outrageous prices with Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, all those other companies? I know I am. Pulse Cellular was created to give a better option for everyone looking for premium wireless phone service for less cost with straightforward plans, no strings attached, no confusing fine print, no BS at all. They got you covered nationwide in the U.S. with unlimited talk and text with premium fast LTE data plans, hotspot coverage at no additional cost. That's big, by the way, no additional cost in all 50 states, the Caribbean, Canada, Mexico. Plans also include unlimited free Wi-Fi calls internationally when calling U.S. lines. There are no credit checks. There are no contracts. There are no overage costs. Go visit PulseCellular.com. When you're there, use promo code Moran at checkout and you'll get 10% off your plan, any plan. Again, promo code Moran. It'll get you 10% off what's already a great deal. Find out for yourself that life is better with Pulse. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, podcast fans, what's going on? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to episode 126 of the Moranalytics Podcast, presented by Pulse Cellular. Today's Friday, June 7th. Thank you, as always, for listening, for downloading. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do so. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to be joined by my buddy, Zach Sheldon better known as Maniac from Trainwreck Sports. This is Maniac's second time doing a podcast. He was on about six or seven months ago, something like that. We had a good conversation then, and I'm looking forward to another good one today. By the way, if you don't know Trainwreck Sports, and there's a chance if you're not, especially if you're not much into social media, if you're not on Twitter, don't follow Facebook, things like that, there's a chance that you don't know a lot about Trainwreck Sports. I highly suggest if you're a Buffalo sports fan, that you do. And at the end of this interview, you'll probably understand better what I'm talking about. They just do a really good job of covering Buffalo sports, and they do it in a unique way. It's kind of comedic, barstool sports kind of vibe, but they also have legitimate guests and serious interviews at times, and they do a great job of covering sports. And that's what I really like about Trainwreck Sports is it's not just Bills and Sabres. I mean, they have plenty of Bills and Sabres stuff, too, but there's lots of websites, lots of blogs, lots of podcasts that have good Bills and Sabres talk. What I feel like 
separates them from the rest is that they spend a lot of time and resources covering like UB, for an example. I think their coverage of UB basketball and football is as good or better than anyone else out there. They cover the Bisons pretty well. In fact, when I hooked up with Zach to take this interview, it was late at night, Wednesday night after a Bisons game, after a double hitter. He was there at the field covering it. They even cover FC Buffalo soccer. I mean, they just do a good job of covering a variety of things and do it in a unique way. So definitely worth checking out. We're going to spend plenty of time talking about train wreck sports. Again, what those guys are up to nowadays. I get Zach to give me a power ranking of his top five favorite guests ever on this show, on his show, I should say. They just had, and he's not one of them. Here's a spoiler alert. Brian Gianta, a great guest though, former Sabres captain. He was just on the show. In fact, not only did he do the show, but he was in their studio to do it. We discussed that experience. I talked to Maniac about him getting more comfortable being behind a camera with a microphone in his hand, how how that process has been for him, getting more comfortable with himself doing stuff like that. Uh, we discuss Buffalo Bills coach Sean McDermott and how he's more personable than a lot of people give him credit for. We talk about Rachel Bush. I got a rant out there for the Rachel Bush haters. I, I just, I hate it. More on that, I'm going to save that for the interview. So we got that. We talk a little New York Yankees. What else we got? Zach just met. Recently, Adrian Waddle, new Buffalo Bills offensive tackle. He discusses what what he's like, what it was like meeting him. He also has met Shelby, his wife, who's been on this podcast, by the way. So we talk about them. I got a nice little story about Shelby. Kind of got mad at me not too long ago. I mean, we got past it and we're cool now, but got a cool little story about that. We talk about Mike Rodak from ESPN. He's leaving his post covering the Buffalo Bills after six years, moving down south to Alabama with his wife. He's got thoughts on that. We finish up talking a little WWE and the sad state of affairs going on with that company. Wrestling is something that me and Zach both love. We're so frustrated by everything that's going on with WWE. I make him, I pretend I'm Vince McMahon. I put him in charge of creative control. And I charge Zach with coming up with a couple of plans that are going to make the product better. That's kind of fun. Lots of things going on. A lot to unpack. Not going to waste any more time here at the top. So buckle in. This is a good one, man. Here it is, my interview with Maniac from Trainwreck Sports. All right, my guest today is a friend of mine, a friend of this podcast. He's one of the lead dogs over at Trainwreck Sports, which continues to become a force in the Buffalo sports media, doing things their own unique way that wins them new fans every day. I'm definitely one of them. I'm talking about my man, Zach Sheldon, a.k.a. Maniac. What's going on, bro? Thanks for doing this for a second time now. What's up? Hey, not much, Pat. Thank you for having me again at your own risk. Uh, Yeah, it's great to be back in the uh, PMT zone. (laughs) All right, so here's the deal, dude. I have a couple things jotted down for an outline. No script, no series of topics that I know ahead of time that we're going to talk about. We're just going to flow and freestyle a little bit. And wherever our conversations end up taking us, that's where they take us. I do have one question, though. Before we get started, you were on this podcast before, but I can't remember, and I didn't get a chance to go back to listen to the entire thing. I wanted to ask you about your nickname, Maniac. Tell me, if you didn't already before, exactly where that came from. How did you get the moniker Maniac? 
Uh, you know what it was, honestly. So first off, uh, yeah, like me and geez, it's been a crazy six months since I came on the first time for sure. But yeah, the maniac moniker in chain exports. So when I joined uh, the show again, I think uh, we got into this on the last appearance I had, but you know, Al and a co started it up and then I joined about a couple of weeks to a couple months in. Right. And basically, you know, the whole thing was when I was coming in, it was like, he had, Andy, who was like AO, and you had Al, who was Degenerate Al. So it kind of felt like it needed to be something outside the box. And just for me, the easiest thing was, I mean, I look at the landscape nowadays, and I guess I don't feel that crazy, but, you know, two and a half, two and three quarter years ago when I was thinking it up, I really thought and felt like I had a lot of sports perspectives and opinions that were just completely out of the box. Um, it doesn't sound like crazy, but you know, just things like I thought like the catchers should be eliminated from fantasy baseball. You know, sometimes I accuse like kickers of missing on purpose, you know, especially if I have a bet on the game. <laughs> so with that said, uh, you know, it just felt natural to why don't I just embrace kind of that craziness. And then when I'm on this show, I don't have to worry about being anybody else but myself. How are things going for you guys over there at Trainwreck sports? I'm a big fan more than anything else of the way you guys continue to build a strong presence on social media. We talked about six months or so ago, and I think you guys are doing better now than you were then. Just like at that time, you were doing better than you were six months before that. How are things going for you guys? Yeah. I mean, the entire team, uh, we feel that from our fans when we're getting that growth when we're getting that interaction and you can see it like, you know, in plain sight, you don't have to look at the analytics. You can just see it in the numbers and the appearance of the posts and everything themselves. You can really feel that from the fans. So we owe everything to them, but it really encourages us. I mean, you know, six months ago, yes. Yeah, so the UB football season was winding down and basketball was just really gearing up. That was a roller coaster of itself. But it's like you said, like we kind of, I don't want to say specialize, but we really tend to attack that outside the box content. I mean, some of the best stuff that we had was, you know, St. Patrick's Day or, um, you know, when producer Burrs went on Beat the Champ. So he went on uh, Beat the Champ, which is a bowling show, you know, trying to basically uh, take down the challenger. He uh, made it pretty far in the Niagara Falls January edition, which also ended with Al being kicked out of Rapids (laughs) Bowling Center in Niagara Falls. Oh, that was awesome, man. How important is it for you guys to cover sports in a unique manner and not even just a unique matter, but cover sports that not a lot of people are spending a lot of time covering. You know, we live in an era now where there's a new podcast popping up every day. Everyone in the world has a podcast. There's probably dozens, if you search hard enough, Buffalo sports themed podcasts. But one thing I really like about Trainwreck Sports, a lot of things, but one thing for sure is that you guys spend a lot of time covering UB, whether it was basketball, football, women's basketball, you were you cover the Bisons. You were just at covering a Bisons game earlier tonight. That Micah Hyde charity softball game last week, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. I like the way that you guys do things differently and a little bit outside of the box because I feel like this, all right? And let me elaborate a little bit. Like with my own podcast here, if I have you on and we talk Buffalo Bills for 45 minutes, I think people are going to get bored and want to go somewhere else because I don't think that I could talk about the Bills for 45 minutes effectively, like say Joe B and Matt Fairburn could on their Bills B podcast. So what I decided to do with my podcast to try to make it a little bit different is get people like you, sports media folk, athletes on and spend more time getting to know you people, pulling back that kernel a little bit, so to speak. I think that's been the key 
to my podcast doing decent. And I feel like in the case of Trainwreck Sports, one of the keys for yours is that you're not just Bills, you're not just Sabres. You guys are doing a lot of things differently and doing things differently out of that box. You know what I'm saying? It's, I feel like that's really helped you guys succeed. Yeah, and I mean, whether it's like, you know, with your podcast, like you said, you constantly are jumping from topic to topic. You're covering WWE, you're covering pop culture and everything like that. So it's just about, you know, finding that comfort zone. And I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but kind of just staying in your lane and doing what you know you do well. Like, for example, if Trainwreck Sports is about to do an X's and O's, you know, we wouldn't do it as well as Cover One does it, who right. like also is local here. Right. But with that said, I mean, we take, you know, our content and our media, and it's all about subverting that expectation, which is, again, something you also do well. Now, for some people, they don't like it or they get concerned or whatever when new podcasts will pop up if it's kind of in that same genre or the same market, you know, because... They're literally everywhere nowadays, a podcast, and some of them cover some of the same things that you do. But I feel like in the case of Trainwreck Sports, it's not really a problem because you guys cover things very differently. You know, do you kind of feel that same way? You guys are, how do I say it? You take your job serious, but you don't take it too serious. Do you know what I'm saying? It's uh, I like, I agree 100% with what you're saying. I mean, like, for example... You know, I'm at the Jim White Cell press conference because you're talking about our UB coverage, which again was something that really helped us stick out this past, uh, you know, year, especially the past nine months. Um, so, you know, I'm asking him questions and he said something during his press conference that, you know, recruiting for college basketball is a lot like dating. So, you know, I kind of come in with my question and I'm like, well, how are we going to make sure that it's, you know, more than a man crush Monday and it's not not just a swipe right on Tinder situation? You know, you got to yeah. kind of attack these topics in ways. And I don't have to worry about anyone from two, four or seven asking, you know, Coach Whitesell about Tinder. That's the creative liberty I have. And I guess, you know, at the end of the day, the other thing, too, is just that freedom that at the end of the day, we don't have to worry about, you know, someone above us not being happy with specifically what we're doing. Cause everything is just kind of, uh, you know, everything is an addition at this point. You know what I mean? Cause there's no set structure. It doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to get our 11 PM shot. We don't have to get our posts for the website. We can just do whatever we feel is entertaining. And the great thing is we got our team and our pool of uh, people we're really good at, you know, picking that out and identifying opportunities, uh, like you said, that we can be successful in that. Now, you were at a Bison's game tonight before we taped this interview. They got shut out, by the way. I think that maybe you're a mush. One thing I really like about it was, Trent- a, it was a doubleheader. They, they got shut out in both games, Pat. Can you believe that? That's your fault, man. That's all on you. I, I, oh, I 100% take the blame <laughs> on that one. <laughs> so you were at a Bison's game. You're covering that. And one thing, and we kind of hit on this, that I really like about Trainwreck, you guys just spend a lot of time and resources covering stuff like the Bisons and UB Sports especially. I mean, that's when I really became a big train wreck fan because as the UB football and basketball programs have grown, you guys have been second to none when it comes to covering them. So I'm going to give you major props for that. You do stuff that's not just mainstream. The 716 Sports Podcast, that's another local one. I think they do a great job spending a lot of time on lacrosse and women's hockey. I just I feel like the mainstream media in Buffalo, generally speaking now, they I just feel like they do a terrible job covering non-mainstream stuff while places like Trainwreck does it really well. I'm assuming that that's a very conscious effort of yours, you know, to spend time covering UB. I think UB, for an example, that really helped you guys craft an identity that 
You're not just Bills and Sabres. And you're also not just dick and fart jokes because, I mean, you do give quality coverage to UB. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, well, you know, and I think it goes back to a core idea that we all know well from our favorite show, The Office. Oh, it's yeah. like Dunder Mifflin taking on a client. When we decided we were going to do UB, we were going to go 100% like with our life, you know, towards that. Whereas, you know, like you said, the traditional news outlets around here, not to say they don't cover the team, because a lot of them actually do a fairly decent job and have improved definitely over the past year. But there was just so much room to really make an impact there, like we said, versus the Bills or the Sabres, where you're getting about 30 to 40 cameras per media event. You do a lot of live on the spot reporting. I think you're a dude that really gets it on Twitter. You have some funny ass shit, man. You utilize Twitter well. You're kind of coming out of your shell a little bit, branching out, you know, dare I say, becoming a little bit of a local media star. Here's my question, man. We're going to tie this into wrestling because we are definitely talking wrestling a little bit. Do you plan on eventually turning heel on your train wreck mates, kind of like The Rock did with the Nation of Domination? Is a heel turn, is a maniac heel (laughs) turn coming at some point? (laughs) Oh, no. Unfortunately, in this regard, Pat, I got to break you some bad news, especially for all the uh, fans 17 and above out there. I'm very much super Cena in this regard. I'm not, we're not going anywhere with this team goes. And that's, and that goes to our core idea. When we're talking about this train never stops. I mean, there are days where I can't do stuff and I get picked up by my producers. I get picked up by Al. I get picked up by Ty also doing content. So I've been fortunate to be at the forefront of a lot of it, but especially when you look recently, like Ty B's coverage at the FC Buffalo games, like that's another thing. You know, nobody is covering FC Buffalo, this awesome local soccer team that we have. They have one of the craziest fan bases I've ever seen. My goodness, like, they got Drunkle. Oh, my God. Pat, you seen this guy Drunkle? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. He is absolutely nuts. But, yeah, um, it's just a crazy culture. I mean, to be honest, I wasn't even aware of it up until last year, but it's, you know, kind of similar like the way I wasn't aware of, you know, UB women's basketball up until about a year ago. You know, sometimes... As ridiculous as it is, you just got to open your eyes and see what's in front of you. So I mentioned earlier that Micah Hyde had a charity softball game at Salins Field last week. All, not all, but a lot of the Buffalo Bills players were there to participate in it. You got to cover that game. Not only did you get to cover that game, but you were actually on the field with a microphone, which I'm sure was really cool. You talked to a lot of the players. You also talked to Sean McDermott, who's seen personal, and I've never really had an opportunity to talk to Sean McDermott before. There's a perception, I feel like, that he's robotic and it's always coach speak, that he doesn't have personality. But I kind of don't buy that. He does seem like a pretty personable guy. I like the piece that you did with him. He was kind of funny there. Is he more personable than the average fan gives credit for? Oh, my gosh. Very personable. And, you know, it is, and when you say personable, I, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is kind of a man of the people. And, yeah, that sounds like kind of a sellout. And it's easy to, you know, fire from your ivory towers of Twitter, right? you know, some of the things he does, Oh, you know, blue collar, yada, yada, lunch pail, yada, yada. But with that said, when you see him, like, and when you see just the way some of the veterans, like, like Micah Hyde specifically, Lorenzo Alexander, the way they interact with them away from the field is still in a way of such respect that, you know, honestly, it was crazy. I was on this field, uh, Pat, you know, I was seeing coach McDermott clapping from point blank range. I was seeing, Josh Allen in shorts from Point Blank Age. It was like the internet was literally in front of my face. <laughs> By the way, one of my favorite things you do is wrap your interviews with that pad and not just you, but everyone at Trainwreck. 
does this train ever stop? Or you'll ask them, does this train ever stop question? And every now and then the person that you're interviewing, obviously they didn't know ahead of time that you were going to say that. And they don't really know what that means. And they briefly give you that look like, what the fuck are you talking about? Before saying some generic answer, like, of course, or something like that. I, I think that's funny, man. Can you think of an example maybe of somebody that you've said that to? Like, does this train ever stop? And they didn't, they were stumped. They didn't know what to say back to you right away. Well, okay. So let me, let me uh, break this down then, because this is an interesting topic. Because over, I'd say, the last six to 12 months, uh, it's been a very, I think we're shooting a hundred percent. I want to say for the train never stops, whether it's a random interview or just an on the spot thing. And like you said, sometimes people take it like really literally like Jordan Poyer gave me a huge like answer about how it's like, you know, everything about moving forward, keep it going, you know, all that stuff. Some people are just like, yes, or never, you know, it never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I'm trying to think back. Cause I know someone, I want to say like early on, that like maybe it was so early it was either like a Matt Barnaby or a or an Alan Green when he was a UB athletic director but the person was just like what like what train like uh, uh you know like very uh and then we had to explain like our train like you know that never stops you're still kind of young and relatively new in the sports media game when it comes to like at least when it comes to interviewing significant athletes, coaches, sports media, just celebrities, stuff like that. I feel like you're probably, in fact, not, I feel like I know you are more comfortable now than you were maybe even just say six, nine months ago with a microphone in your hand, having a conversation with somebody like, for an example, like Sean McDermott, where not too long ago, you probably would have been really, really nervous interviewing him. You feel more comfortable now doing what you do? Well, in the past, I definitely would have gotten nervous, but let me tell you something right now. And then, and then I'll track back a little bit, like you were saying, six months to a year. I was nervous out of my brain this past Sunday when I was interviewing those guys. I mean, those are the Buffalo Bills. That's their head coach, you know? I mean, I, as a fan, which I am, and that's what we all are at Trainer Sports. We're fans at the end of the day. I'll never get over that that's like the guy I'm watching on the sideline make the biggest decisions and everything like that. And I've second guessed him a million times already, even though I do love him. Um, with that said, yeah. So about the interviewing, it's kind of like, so we officially got like the new mic set up like roughly a year ago and we were doing some things at like the wing festival. And it just, it's just really appealed to me. Like, cause you could like the sound quality was just instantly way better. But yeah, to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing. So for the most part, it was just like the parking lot interviews at the Bills game, also like at the UB Bowl tailgate. Um, but they were a lot of fun doing that. And, you know, it kind of made me a little bit more comfortable. Uh, the thing that really kind of helped me catch on, um, I did like when the UB Bulls football team was leaving, I did a spot with Lance that was great because he was just giving it like, it just felt great that he was giving me the time, you know, the time of day, Coach Lance Leopold. Mm-hmm. The... I guess, like, yeah, I mean, it has to be the MAC tournament, though, Pat. They really just kind of changed things around um, because, you know, we got the press pass for the tournament, and, you know, it was the first time outside of UB that we had kind of gotten that recognition. And then at the tournament, I'm getting post-game interviews with Coach Oates, getting post-game interviews with Coach Jack, uh, Sierra Dillard after the tournament ended. Uh, it was just an amazing opportunity. And it really does go back to, like, as, as you know, all we've accomplished and all we work hard for is all we work hard for as a group 
is amazing, but it's all truly thankful to the opportunities that some of these people gave us in the beginning. Like, you know, whether it's Matt Beauvais or Nate Geary coming on or Jeremy White, or even you having me on your podcast to promote it. Yeah, man. I'll tell so, you. So with that go said, go ahead, go ahead. You're my guest. I want, I want to hear from you. Go ahead, man. No, I got you. I'm sorry. I got off track a little bit there. So the Mac tournament, that was when I really started to pick up like, you know, a little bit of a uh, confidence about interviewing where, you know, I wasn't so much nervous. And it's like you said, we're kind of good on the fly on the, on the spot. So it kind of works in our favor, but you know, and then I'm just kind of walking around and I realized the mic itself is really a spectacle as crazy as people go when you see, they see a camera recording or when they see that, like they really get crazy when they see a microphone because they feel like, you know, it's like a rock star type situation. But with that said, yeah, like I get good feedback from people. I mean, I don't know if you saw the footage from our hip hop karaoke Buffalo event. Um, I mean, the people there are going crazy. They're more than happy after singing karaoke to do a post game press conference. <laughs> and then we had the awesome benefit of, and this goes to the diligence of it, you know, six months to 12 months ago, we might not have planned this out. But we saw, obviously, that the Frozen Four was in town and, you know, Bouchergras and uh, Barry Melrose were, like, basically doing, like, a Q&A at 716. So we went, and then after that, you know, Barry Melrose gave us an opportunity for an interview. And, I mean, obviously, that's something you got to take advantage of. Sure, no doubt about it, man. Do you ever look back at any of your older videos? And maybe the fans can't tell because you might have gave the appearance that you were comfortable, but you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe how I looked, or I can't believe the questions that I asked or the tone of my voice. Cause I was really nervous. You know, it, it reminds me, I, I covered the bills in the early two thousands and I'll never forget this man. I think it was 2002. Jerry Rice was playing for the Oakland Raiders or LA Raiders, whatever they were during that time. And after the game, I was doing basically a story about Nate Clemens who had done a really good job of covering Jerry Rice that game. He kind of shut Jerry Rice yeah, down. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't that the first game where, where Jerry Rice didn't have a catch in like a decade? I can't remember, but it very well may be. It might be because... I remember him being like all upset about it. After yeah, the game. But, yeah. But like you're saying, it was it was Nate Clemens with some great coverage. Oh yeah, my gosh, yeah. he was so good. Very good. So my point is this. I'm doing a story on Nate Clemens and I have an opportunity after the game to talk to Jerry Rice. I know the Raiders won the game and Jerry Rice didn't do anything that much. I do remember for sure. And he wasn't in a good mood, but regardless of that, I'm sitting there so intimidated. I mean, like, I feel like I'm going to shit my pants or something, man. I'm going one-on-one right now with the greatest wide receiver in the history of the NFL who's ever lived. I just remember being so intimidated by that. And I've learned since then that it, it takes time, no matter who you are, it takes time to get comfortable and confident in yourself that when you're talking to somebody, whether it's Jerry Rice or whether it's just a local sports media guy, it doesn't really matter. It takes time and confidence in yourself to learn how to become comfortable in your own skin and hear your own voice and your own style and your own presentation. Do you look back now, even just say maybe a half year or maybe a year or something like that, and you watch some of these videos that you're in and you're looking at yourself and you're thinking like, man, I looked stupid or I said I asked some stupid questions. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. You should see some of the footage. I mean, I'm not going to embarrass myself too bad, but yeah, we uploaded a uh, YouTube video recently that just shows basically the evolution of over like the last two and a half years. You just see the, 
the mic setups and the production quality from where we were two and a half years ago. And it still has a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. Our, our video is still a little bit grainy. But yeah, how far we've come in that time period is truly evident um, on that video, which is available on our YouTube channel. Quick plug there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when you see that, the biggest thing for me, Pat, was that, like, especially with the interviews, was back when I was doing them at the start, it was kind of just like, I didn't feel comfortable that I was even in the situation. So I wasn't really planning out for them. It was kind of just like, oh, can I do this? Like, oh, this is whatever. Um, now I kind of checkpoint the conversation a little bit. It's like where I want to start, where we want to be in the middle. And then obviously, like, I don't have to plan out for this train never stops because I leave that at the end every time. But, you know, where we want to steer the conversation towards the end. Sure. I'm with Maniac from Trainwreck Sports. Let's circle back to that. Micah High Charity Softball game last week. You had an opportunity to interview many players. One of them was Jordan Poyer, who was on the field with his wife, Rachel Bush. You got to talk to her as well. Of course, Rachel Bush is one of the more popular Instagram models in the world. You're looking out at the crowd there with hands falling all over themselves, trying to get pictures with their autographs, with their stuff like that. Oh my gosh. If only you could see how giddy every, every guy was to take a photo. I mean, and credit to Jordan because I mean, obviously I'm sure he gets to everywhere he goes, whether people are asking about where she is or anything like that. Quick point. I don't know if uh, any, if you saw my feed, but Jordan Poyer hits absolute lasers, by the way. Um, with that said, yeah, it was a crazy opportunity. I mean, I had an opportunity to actually interview Jordan at Duff's a couple weeks ago. He did an appearance there and he was nice enough to, you know, basically give us a minute. And then uh, I went up to Rachel while he was doing an interview with buffalobills.com. And I was like, you know, I actually want to interview you and Jordan together. And she's like, oh, that'd be awesome. So she was very encouraging and totally open. And so, I mean, I, you know, anyone can have haters out there. And I'm sure there are plenty of Rachel Bush haters, but my one experience was great. And she seemed awesome. She is awesome. I've talked to her and hopefully she's going to be on this podcast soon. We've talked about that. It's just a matter of, getting together and setting up the right day and time. But anyway, I got a little mini Rachel Bush rant, not about her, about people who hate on her for no real reason other than because she's gorgeous. I just, that really, truly gets under my skin and it bothers me. She makes a living by taking photos and videos of herself, posting on Instagram and Twitter, Snapchat, stuff like that, because she's insanely beautiful. And People like her are blessed with the gift, man, from God. I know this sounds corny, but it's true. She uses it to earn her living, and she does it very well. To me, it ain't no different than some dude being God-gifted with an incredible singing voice and making hit records and getting rich singing because he was lucky and fortunate enough to be born with an incredible voice and takes care of it. That's just the way it is. And I just, I hate that bullshit stereotype that somebody is pretty and dumb and doesn't have any talent and any skill besides their beauty. Because when it comes to someone like Rachel Bush, it's completely not true. Anyone who knows her knows that she's very intelligent. And again, to use that comparison that I like to go to when it comes to models and people making fun of them or hating on them, because that's all they do is, is show off their body to make money. Well, someone like Ariana Grande rolls out of bed and sounds like she sounds in it's kind of the same deal. It was a gift from God. That's what she has. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, we live in a generation where no matter what, when you have success with something, you're going to have haters. It's almost like a checkpoint for success in sure. like the 2010s and what's going to be the 2020s soon. Um, as crazy as that sounds. 
But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's all about how you act with it. I think that she does, as crazy as it sounds, she does a pretty good job of balancing the haters. Every so often she'll uh, take one to school and she makes it look easy. So she does yeah. a good job of balancing what is really a tough thing to do, which is social media in the present day. Now, you met Adrian Waddle, new Buffalo Bills tackle at a charity event recently at O'Neill's. You got a chance to interview him. I'm assuming you talked to him for a little bit. He seems like a pretty good dude, man. Did you like him? I haven't had a chance to meet him oh, yet, so that's, I'm asking it, you about him. Is, I haven't met him. He is a total bro, let me tell you. Just totally laid back, always about, you know, just finding. He was genuinely having conversations with all the fans that were there. He was learning about him. He was, you know, doing fake arm wrestling with anyone who wanted He was a huge competitor, though. We were playing some, like, shuffleboard or uh, I forget what the other game was, but he dusted me. I think he was up 13 nothing, and I just had to be like, Legion. I'm like, L.A., I'm done with this. <laughs> now, you met his wife, Shelby, at the Buffalo Potathon. I saw plenty of clips from that. I had her on this podcast not too long ago. Very fiery personality, man, right there. It, and in a good way, though. I mean, she seems like the kind of person who will give you the shirt off her back, but don't get on her bad side because she'll come at you hard. And I've seen that on Twitter. In fact, she's actually came at me hard once, too, to be honest with you. <laughs> and we have a good relationship. Well, she, but she, 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 she kicked me out of being the best friend because I said, I said L.A. gave me a better interview than she did. It was just, you know, sometimes... Sometimes when you rate a 9.5 versus 9.3, you have to be honest about which one was better. And that was all I was doing. Like, you know, as a good journalist, um, but you're right. She's got a great personality. She's definitely the, uh, from what I can tell with my limited experience, the yang to, to LA's yang, they seem to uh, be two peas in a pod. And I'm sure once they're reunited here in Buffalo, it's going to be a crazy scene with, uh, all of the stuff and the great work that they're doing uh, with our charity that we're involved with, uh, BBG Charities. So yeah. it's really awesome to have them involved at the forefront of that. I loved my conversation with her. I was like, I, I would definitely want to have her back on the podcast again. But anyway, I in her mind, I kind of crossed her a little bit, even though I didn't. In fact, you were there. Now that I think about it, you were actually there. When she came into Buffalo for the first time for the Potathon, you were at the airport and people were there to greet her. And I kind of, I kind of took a jab, but I was, being semi-playful about people going to the airport, bringing her, you know, bear chicken wings and all this stuff because of the wife of a, of a guy who signed a one-year contract for the Buffalo Bills. I was kind of making testament to just how crazy Bills fans are. It wasn't a, like a real direct hit at her and she kind of perceived it the wrong way. So she kind of came at me a little oh, bit. Oh, I but, saw it all. I saw it all happen in real time. I saw you step out right into that, uh, moving traffic, like yeah. a Pat Moran frogger. <laughs> you were, you were a Pat Moran frogger and she flattened you like a, like a semi truck. No, but that's just, you know, she, she holds people accountable for their shit. If you want to, you know, talk some trash about whether it's her husband or just the way she acts. Right. I mean, people can call it crazy for her seeking it out. I mean, you know, some people just feel strongly about defending themselves. There's yeah. no doubt about that, especially yeah. when it comes to social media. Yeah, like I said, fiery personality, man. I like it a lot. Anyway, I want to switch gears here for a second. On a recent episode of Trainwreck Tonight, you guys had Brian Gianta on this show. Of course, former Buffalo Saber. Stanley Cup winner, one of the great American hockey players of all time. I, and not only jam him on the show, but I also saw the promo where he kind of beats the shit out of Degenerate Al. That, that was awesome. And one more thing, too. Not only do you get him on the show, which in itself is a great get, but you also get him to come into Studio D and do the show with you guys, man. That's, that's pretty goddamn clutch. 
Yep. Um, so obviously, I mean, you've seen the growth of trainer sports and, you know, whether it was all the stuff we've done at UB or what we've been fortunately able to do recently or, you know, at the Mike Hyde event with the Bills and obviously Coach McDermott. The one thing, uh, you know, so we had a connection inside the Sabres organization. And so, yeah, we basically reached out and we were able to get in touch with Brian and he was nice enough to line it up. That's the thing I got to say at the core of it is, Except for except for sweatering Al right when he got to Studio D, Brian was a very nice guy and very gracious individual uh, on our show. Pat, I also did pull up his faux track page, and he said it, he said the number was a little low on there, so not to be uh, too intimidated. But I don't know what to think about that. With that said, oh yeah, he was just literally the nicest guy. He gave us a ton of details about his career and everything like that, and. You know, hopefully we're hoping that this will be, you know, whether it's the other stuff we did with the Bills recently or having Brian on, and hopefully it'll lead to more uh, Bills and Sabres as well coming on the show. I'll tell you what, I want you to power rank your top five favorite guests that you've had on Trainwreck tonight to this point. And I know that it's tough because you're going to have to leave some people out that I'm sure you like, but you know what, man, life is tough. So Hit me off. What do you got? Give me your top five. Okay. Are you ready? You yep. ready for the train wreck tonight? Top five? Yep. Okay. We're going to go at number five. Weighing in at 186 pounds. Your mother's favorite UB graduate, UB naked guy. Made multiple <laughs> appearances on the show. Yeah. Great guest. Let me, uh, let me slap his belly a little bit. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, playing a little slap the belly with your friends. Don't let your, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I love that he retired too, by the way. Of course. Well, now he's just, now he's just UB, UB graduate guy. Yeah. He was like Barry Sanders, man. He got out before it got old, before he got old. I liked that a lot. That was, that was pretty clutch. Yeah. As we've seen with Game of Thrones, not, not all greatness can just end, you know, appropriately. So it's nice <laughs> to see UB naked guy get a good ending. Yep. All right. What else you got? Okay, so then coming in at number four, weighing in at 180 pounds in it in his new, uh, well, his new position as WKBW sports director. I gotta throw it up to Matt Beauvais. He's made uh, a couple appearances on Trainwreck tonight. He introduced me to my new friend Troy LaCastro. Not new friend, but it was new when I met him. So now, like, we're friends. And he also came on our only a couple episodes uh, wrestling podcast. I call it WWE Wrestling with Emotion. He's a wrestling guy, dude. He was just on my podcast. Oh yeah, Bovey's a big wrestling guy. He went to uh, he went to Raw twenty five. Oh my god, I did not do my homework at all. How do I not talk wrestling with him? He literally was just on this well, show that, three well, days that's ago. That's the thing, though. You know, I don't blame you at all, Pat, because he calls himself a casual a casual wrestling fan. But he went to Raw twenty five, like in New York. Like that's all you got to know, right? Yeah, 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 for sure, man. Like you're not a casual fan if you're going to that event. No, but he tries no. to play it off like he's casual. <laughs> all right what's okay, next so then at number at number three your your wifey's favorite secret sabers source jeremy white <laughs> made multiple appearances on the program that that's a key thing i mean when you're when you're when i'm ranking these guests i mean when they've made multiple appearances it was it was easy for them to make an impact and they all did so obviously or else you know we wouldn't have them back isn't that a good way to gauge whether you'll have someone back pat whether they have a great episode sure no doubt about it man if you could get a guy back a second, <laughs> you, you like myself get, pat yeah. I, I patted myself on the yeah, back you sure there. did well I, I agree with you though man you could get anybody not anybody but it's kind of easy to get somebody to do the show once especially if you got some momentum going 
getting them back a second time if you're trying to get them back a second time, and then they agree to do the show a second time, man. That that's that's good on you. Seriously, like think about yeah, like like what like a restaurant, right? You eat there the first time, or you get to come back a second time. You never know, right? With that said, so we we got the ranking. We got UB Naked guy. We got Matt Beauvais. We got Jeremy White coming in at number two. Uh, you know, I'm gonna throw it back here, and this is gonna surprise a lot of people. Uh, I'm gonna go with Joe Licata. Mm. And here, here's I want to throw a quick honorable mention in real quick to Paul Peck, who came on multiple times in the beginning, but has never been in Studio D. So he's never been physically in Studio D. So I had to give Paul Peck an honorable mention there. I'm going number two, your wifey's favorite QB one, Joe Licata. You know, Joe Licata football camp, killing it. He's always given us a great perspective. Came on for the Super Bowl preview episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all uh, real good and everything. Really enjoyed it, to be honest. And uh, it's always been a fun time with him. We went to his, uh, we went to, uh, you know, training camp last year with him. So maybe we'll do something like that again this year coming up. And the guy we might do it with is the train wreck tonight. Number one guest. He's going to be more than ecstatic to hear it. At Nate Geary, WGR. In, in his new apartment downtown, takes the number one spot. Three career appearances on the show. Had us on Sports Talk Saturday. So I don't mean to say it's all about networking, but obviously, you know, when you're doing stuff like this, you have a good relationship. You have a good back and forth. You have a good rapport, Pat, right? Of course, and honestly, yeah. that's what the people really want. Of course, no doubt about it. All right, man. That's... So someone, someone's got to be mankind in the rock and sock connection, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, man. Very true. All right, man. So there you got it. One. You got UB Naked Guy, Matt Beauvais, Jeremy White, Joe Licata, and Nate Geary as your top five. That's good stuff. I've had three of the five on. I need to get UB Naked Guy to come out of retirement and get Joe Licata to come on the podcast. Let me ask you this, all right? Switching gears again. What did you think of my take on Twitter not long ago? I know you saw it, where I said that I would trade the Sabres, Bises, and Bandits tomorrow, all three of them for an NBA franchise. I did get a lot of people to agree with me, but predictably, I really took a beating on that overall because Buffalo is very much, obviously, a hockey town. I knew it was, and that's why I preface it by saying this is going to be an unpopular opinion. It's not known as a basketball town. But anyway, what's your opinion on that? What would you do? Would you do that? What's your take? Yeah, you're in you're in trouble with me on that one because I'd ra- I'd much rather I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade even just the Sabers for them. Yeah. I, I would I would not trade. You're I a- would maybe I would maybe consider trading the ban the Bandits and the Bisons together for sure. I know a lot of people would probably think that's like a no brainer, but I kind of like the Bisons and I know that the Bandits have a, a sh- Banditland is no joke. If if you've ever been uh, bad, I, oh, I don't yeah. want to assume. But yeah, I mean, geez, so that BOX gets going. It's it's not a uh, it's not a laughing matter, so to speak. Um, but I wouldn't swap them. I I, I love uh, I love the Sabers too much at the end of the day, and I and I do love the Bisons. I, I'm a big herd guy. You're a Buffalo guy. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm a Buffalo guy. I've spent most of my life in Buffalo. The difference between us two is I'm just not that big of a hockey fan. Not even a big Sabers fan nowadays. To be completely honest with you, I talk about them more at this point because it's part of the gig and it's what I got to do. I knew, like I said, it was an unpopular opinion and I prefaced it. I guess I just, in hindsight, didn't expect to take the beating that I did, but I should have. And you know, you know how it goes on Twitter. You tweet all the time. All when it comes to tweets, they can't all be winners, right? 
Well, and yeah, and once one comes out of the woodwork, it's all about every, social media is a very delicate balance. We can get into it a million times on this podcast for sure. But, you know, if two or three people had agreed with you right away, you know, there wouldn't have been nearly as much like it was definitely a dog pile of like, like, no, I wouldn't. Where, you know, there were definitely some NBA fans being like, yeah, I would love to see an NBA team here, of course. And I'm sure they were the ones that, you know, weren't going to Sabres games this past February and March. So, well, let me throw a little twist in and ask you this question. All right. This is a little tougher for you. You're a Yankees fan. I know that about you. And we're going to talk about the Yankees in just a couple minutes here. And you know, obviously you're a Buffalo Bisons fan as well. Would you trade the Sabres, the Bisons, and the Bandits for, instead of an NBA franchise, let's say that the payoff would be Buffalo would get a Major League Baseball franchise. So now it's Bisons, it's Bandits, it's Sabres, and you say goodbye to all three of them. And in exchange, you now have a Major League Baseball team in Buffalo. Now, what are you doing? Ooh, that's tough for me, honestly. So yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big baseball fan. I went with a couple of buddies to like a Pirates Diamondbacks game a couple of weeks ago. Um, eh, no, I'm too in on the Sabers now, and Eichel. Like they're in too good of a spot, you know. I guess if you told me like tomorrow. Buffalo gets a, a, you know, a player, but do they get Mike Trout? Like, okay, maybe like, you know, I'm, I might be more in on it then, but if you were telling me that I would have to be like, you know, an expansion team and I guess, you know, it's, I guess Vegas got excited about hockey, but I wouldn't trade the Sabres for, for a baseball team straight up. All right. That's fair enough. I can respect that. Let's stay on the Yankees here at baseball for a minute. They've struggled a little bit lately, lost, Tonight, again, we're taping this late on Wednesday night. They lost 11-7. to I think that's their third loss in a row. But even still, as we're taping this, they're 38-22. and They're 16 games over five hundred. You're a big Yankees fan, man. When you factor in the crazy injuries that they've had this year, I mean, Stanton, Judge, Didi, Severino, they pretty much have been gone all year. And Sanchez missed a big chunk. Aaron Hicks has missed time. Paxton was gone for a while. Uh, Andrew Harris barely even played this year, and he's he's done for the season. I mean, I could keep going. There's other, Troy Tulewinski. There's other injuries, too. When you factor in all of that and where they're at right now, and it's not that early in the season anymore. I mean, we're into early June now. How shocked are you? Absolutely shocked. It's a surreal run. I mean, whether you had Glaber Torres against the Orioles going nuts, Domingo Herman leading the AL and wins up until recently. I mean, just all these players who at the beginning of the year, you were not expecting to get major contributions out of, but it's kind of that weird sports effect. I mean, the most common way I would ever see it when I was growing up was Kobe Bryant would sit out for the Lakers and they would score like 140 points. You know what I mean? And I would be like, how the hell did that happen? But sometimes when you take out, you know, a main piece, a lot of the pieces that replace it feel that extra pressure. They get that adrenaline, they get that added responsibility and they rise to the task. And that's what you're seeing basically across the board for the Yankees. I mean, whether it's, I mean, Luke Boyd and Gary Sanchez are obviously just off the charts. Um, but whether you're getting, uh, you know, Urshela or you're getting just the steadiness of a Tanaka or the bullpen has been good till recently, but yeah, like you said, they've uh, stumbled a couple of games recently. So what they, what'd you say? I'm sorry. They were 36 and 22 think, or 38 and 22. As of, right, as of right now, they're 30 as of late Wednesday night after Wednesday night's game, they're 38 and 22. Okay. So, so 38 and 22 and they're struggling right now a little bit. There might be a little bit of a scuttle, scuttle in the, in the New York uh, media. 
But as far as narrative, I, I can see this one coming a mile away, Pat. Once Stanton and Judge are back in the lineup, they're going to be like 34 and 26 in a 60-game span. And there's going to be all kinds of weird media and people being like, they were better without them in the lineup. They were they were better when really they're just playing out of their minds right now. So there's going to be some regression of the mean for the Yankees. I hope it won't be too bad in the dog days of summer, even with those players back. But yeah, logistically on paper, when you go from having, you know, a random player at lead off and then Voight and Sanchez, and you're going to have Hicks, Judge, Stanton, Voight, Sanchez, Gregorius before things even get going. I mean, it's going to be, Hard to believe that if the Yankees don't pick up one pitcher, they're going to be playing very late in October. Nate Gary from WGR, your boy, your number one on your train wreck tonight power rankings list. Kind of was going at it with you a little bit on Twitter about the Yankees rotation. Essentially, he's not a fan of it whatsoever. He's also not a Yankees fan whatsoever. What do you think about this rotation right now? Do you think it's good enough? And again, Severino will should be back at some point anyway. What about this rotation? You good with it? Um, I mean, I think you, in yeah, to win in September, I mean, you need the like an ace like that. So that's what he's talking about. Last year for Boston, it was Chris Sale. He, he had that little rest period before the playoffs, and then kind of went out of his mind. And then he, who else did they have? They had uh, the Yankees' old pitcher last year was going off for them. I'm, I'm blowing it right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying Red to Sox, too, man. Red Sox pitcher. I'm having my intern look it up. <laughs> oh, Nathan Eovaldi. Is that who you're talking about? Eovaldi was the guy I was thinking of. Yeah, he was unbelievable during that run. But uh, And then you obviously had Price just steady and consistent. But yeah, I'm a little bit worried just from a playoff sense. But at the end of the day, I do trust in Cashman. So if Cashman thinks that these guys are ready, Herman's ready to you know be a playoff contributor, Hap can be a guy who can get you six steady innings, then yeah, uh, I'm I'm behind that. Yeah, it's kind of a I have a high level of trust in Cashman. I'd say probably v- pretty similar to level I have in Bean. Bean's probably a little bit less, just because last year the QB situation was mismanaged to the point you had McCarron, Peterman, and Josh Allen in the room. So like you know, no vet. Right. But uh, yeah, I trust in Cashman. I mean, the guy clearly knows what he's doing. Yeah, I'm with you there for sure. So we're going to start to wind down here. Got a few more topics I want to hit on. One of them got some local Buffalo sports media news coming out this week. Mike Rodak, who has covered the Buffalo Bills for ESPN.com for the past six years, announced on Twitter Wednesday that he is going to be leaving his position. He's moving down south with his wife to start. His wife is starting a medical practice. Don't know what he's going to be doing professionally down there, but he's gone after six years. I'll say this, man. I like Mike. There is a love-hate relationship with the fans when it comes to Mike Rodak, and it seems like there's no in-between. I don't know, man. What's your take on it, on this happening, and what's your take on Mike Rodak? Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, you know, I was saying this at the beginning of, you know, this show. I'm a fan of the Bills. So when I would see Rodak, you know, being obscurely negative, which he was more so, I would say, five years ago. Five to six years ago, he was kind of just flat-out negative. Now it's kind of more he's like objectively negative when he talk about them. So I think he kind of earned my respect in that regard. And to be honest, it was the real life factor. When we went to Jacksonville. We met him in the airport. So we were, you know, talking with them. And 
but kind of just to get his perspective on the scenario, to see his Twitter feed, he was like showing us his phone. He let degenerate Al type out a tweet for him. Uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy, but it really showed us another side of him. And to be honest, this is kind of a ridiculous story. So we were at Tim Graham's uh, event. I wasn't there. Uh, Tim Graham's uh, charity event that he mm-hmm. typically does at uh, Elmo's there in Williamsville. Right. Ty B and Al were there, and somehow it had funneled down already that you know, Mike was looking at, you know, moving away with his wife, like down South for another gig. Right. And so Al and Ty B basically ambush him with a camera and they're like, and, and you can see Mike in the video be like, you know, oh, are you recording? And, and Al's like, yeah. So he's not like, you know, he wasn't doing it secretly, but he's like, is the rumor true that you're going to the South? And it was basically like, yes, but that was a year ago. So right. probably a little bit ahead of his timetable where we wanted to be. And he was not pleased with us when we posted that. So we love Mike Rodak and he's the best, but uh, he, he does, he has a little, uh, he, he probably considers train wreck a little bit of a thorn in his side for that event. So we do want to apologize. We wish him and his missus nothing but the best uh, in, what is it, Birmingham, right? Yeah, he's moving to Birmingham, Alabama. His wife is going to be starting a medical practice. Not quite sure what he's going to be doing professionally. I'm sure he'll have an announcement at some point. By the way, people who are close to Mike, they known Mike's known for a while that at some point he was going to be moving down South. So this isn't a, a surprise to a lot of people. Obviously it is at least to some bills fans. Listen, I agree with pretty much everything you said. And I like Mike Rodak, man. He is, he's a good guy. Very accommodating. I've had him on this podcast twice. Couldn't be a nicer person. And I get it to some extent. He came from covering the Patriots to cover the Buffalo bills. Was not very flattering of them whatsoever. That definitely Rub fans the wrong way who thought that he was just a hater. I don't want to say he was trolling, but he was very, very hard on the Bills. And he just, I think it was kind of, he's going to let you know right away that I'm not a fan of this team. That's not my job to be a fan. I'm covering them and I'm going to say and write what I think and what I feel right now. So I, I get it. And it rubbed fans the wrong way, like I said. But listen, at the same token, dude, I mean, he came from covering a Super Bowl, a perennial Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl champion, to covering the Buffalo Bills, who I believe he's been here six years ago. So it was like year 11, year 12, something like that, of the drought. I mean, they stunk. They freaking stunk. What is he supposed to say? Yeah, when you, when you go to a when you go to a five-star hotel and then you go to the Old Country Buffet on Transit Road, there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off. Yeah, no question about it, man. You know what? Last topic here, because we're speaking of not good. I got to hit on WWE before we get out of here. We're both fans. We're both frustrated. Oh, my In fact, God. Listen, you banged out a tweet on Monday night. Your t- this tweet on Monday night that you tweeted made me. I mean, listen, I would have reached out to you sooner or later anyway, because I like talking to you. We talk all the time and I was going to have you on a podcast again. But when you tweeted this Monday, I said, we got to talk about this. I got to get you on this next show. You said this and I'm and I'm not paraphrasing. This is word for word. You said before. Oh, yeah. Before it was only my friend's. That would make me feel like a loser for watching WWE. Now, WWE makes me feel like a loser for watching WWE. That's so true, man. I am so frustrated. It is such a bad product right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I want I don't want to say unwatchable because that just sounds like I'm being dramatic. But honestly, when you're seeing segmented storylines that aren't going anywhere. The same characters being pushed into relatively the same spots. Um, I mean, it's just disheartening in more ways than one. And I, and it's one of those things where when you like, when you love the bills, 
you're going to be harder on them than someone doesn't love the Bills. I love the idea of professional wrestling, so I'm going to be harder on a professional wrestling product than a typical fan is. You know what I mean, Pat? So when I, you know, when you and I look at it, I mean, yeah, it's just very upsetting to see the current state of it because. The thing I think that we agree on as well is that this roster is stocked with talent. Like that, oh, that's yeah. not the issue. Like you could easily be having a very functional two show, like, you know, storyline and everything. But I mean, it's like how many times can they get in their own way? Almost. It's almost scary. How many talented wrestlers there are right now in WWE that have gotten buried or just completely irrelevant, like Nakamura, for an example, or Rusev, Cesaro, although he's starting to wrestle a little bit as a singles competitor now, I don't think Finn Balor's ever gotten, at least not often enough, to where he should be. There's just so many good wrestlers that are just, like I said, they're just irrelevant. The thing that has me like at the boiling point right now is the whole Brock Lesnar thing. Help me through this, because I just don't understand this. As wrestling fans, whether we're 15 years old or whether we're 45, 55, 75 years old, doesn't matter. The concept of wrestling is fans know it's fake, but the object is to suspend your disbelief while you're watching it. Kind of like going to a movie, an action movie. You know it's not real, but you suspend your belief to watch it because you feel like it is in that moment. This whole Brock Lesnar thing, they so they bring him back. It's a surprise, and I get why it was a surprise. And bring him back another way, though, because you have a win money in the bank. I actually like the Brock boxing with him dancing. I actually think that's some fun. He's just showing a little bit of personality. But anyway, here's my point. He wants to be champion or whatever. Just this past Monday on Raw, he's got Seth Rollins half dead. Dude gets stretched out and you're not going to cash it in. You yell Friday. What is that? That's just got to be one of the, <laughs> I, why? I mean, you know, Paul yeah, Evans talking about the undisputed, you're on defending, reigning, this and that. Well, there it is. There's your title right there. Why would you not cash it in? Why do you have the briefcase if you're not going to cash it in? Why did Stephanie, to begin with, when every wrestler teases it for weeks or if not months, make him decide, you know, he's got to cash it in because Stephanie said so or whatever have you, or there's going to be consequence. And then he comes out and he he destroys him. He almost kills him. But then he doesn't cash it in. What is that, man? I'm supposed to believe that this is going on, even if it's fake. And I don't. That, that's the, the greatness of pro wrestling, right? At, at its very core is that Pro wrestling is portrayed as like a sport that's real, that's that's scripted. But but the main thing is that anything can happen, right? Is that anything at any time can happen because there's a finger on the dial that's controlling what's being portrayed as a sporting event. So you never know what's going to happen next, right? Isn't that like, you know, one of the greatest appeals of wrestling? Sure. And what WWE has done, essentially, is that they've almost conditioned us to what we're hearing is going to happen is actually not going to happen. So the last couple of weeks, Brock Lesnar is going to cash in. Nope. He does, or, or no, Brock Lesnar is going to announce who he's going to cash in against. Then he just, then now don't get me wrong. The idea that Brock Lesnar doesn't understand the money in the bank contract is actually hilarious. It, and it's, it's feasible. Sure. But like, like if they could properly execute that, he didn't like that. He doesn't know about like the contract. Like, if he attacked Seth Rollins in, like, the parking lot, mm-hmm. and then he tried to cash it in, and they were like, no, you can't do it unless it's in a WWE ring, like, that would be hilarious. Right. Like, you know, like, like, like things like that. But instead for him to just be like, oh, 
I can wait a year when literally like Seth Rollins used the contract against him after like 10 and a half months. So he knew you could wait like basically 10 and a half months. So it's, that's the whole frustrating thing that at the end of the day is just that we've been, I mean, it just doesn't mean anything. That That's the thing. It's these segmented storylines that you just know aren't going anywhere. I mean, I don't know why. And now as, as a count of that, Pat, the championship runs that we've wanted so bad for so long for Rollins and Kingston are both essentially in neutral. Cause it's like, well, don't, you know, bother about doing anything too crazy. Cause Brock might come get you. Yeah. Listen, man, Brock should have came back as an attraction. I don't know if it's Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley. There's lots of different ways they could have went with him. I just don't like him with the whole Seth Rollins things. I, I was looking forward to a Seth Rollins long run and maybe he still has one, but again, don't ever try to sell me on the belief that Brock Lesnar cares about being champion when he doesn't cash in his contract on Monday night after Seth Rollins is literally getting stretchered out. You can't sell me that he wants to be champion at that point. I, by the way, unrelated to that, but sort of related to WWE creative. Not sure if you heard it yet. I'm assuming at the very least you heard about it, but what did you think of that John Moxley podcast on Talk is Jericho last week? That was heavy, man. That was heavy. Oh, it's amazing. I love, uh, I mean, I love seeing behind the curtain at WWE. It's one of the most fascinating things to me. I love seeing Brock throw the title at Vince after that one, uh, WrestleMania. Um, but with that said, I mean, Pat, like everything, it's just, I, I couldn't be less on the WWE right now. I mean, I don't want to go off on a huge negative tangent, but whether it's, you know, Saudi Arabia, like that whole situation, the Ashley Mazzaro situation from a couple weeks ago. I mean, yeah. it just seems like it's a complete like lack of regard for actual human beings. And I don't mean, and I, I don't want me to make this a whole humanity thing, even though it should be, because I know that this podcast is about having fun and everything, but really I just hope the fun wrestling business that, you know, I grew up loving can be managed correctly into the future at the end of the day and, and, and in the right way. All right. Last question. Then I'm going to let you go here. Let's play a little bit of fantasy, all right? I'm Vince McMahon, and I have just hired you, Zach Sheldon, a.k.a. Maniac. You're my new WWE head of creative control. What are you going to do to start winning over disgruntled fans like myself, like yourself, many others out there right now who are, if not entirely ready to necessarily give up completely on WWE, you're at the very least at the point where you don't care about it half as much. You're only watching the shows half as much, if at all, or you're just watching highlight clips on Twitter or reading recaps of the shows on the internet, stuff like that. What are you going to do to win us back or new fans out there, younger fans who are ready to become wrestling fans and they want to latch on to some program, but they're hearing people like me and you who are very down on WWE right now on this podcast and they're not going to watch because of what is going on. You're now the head of creative control, man. I want you to convince me and the people out there what you would do. Give me a couple specific examples as well. As head of creative control, what are you going to do? Win the fans back. What do you got? Okay. Well, they got a couple things that they got going on right now, but they're just kind of doing the wrong way. The wild card, like, aspect is completely has completely been mismanaged to, right. at this point like i have no idea who's on what show 
who can appear like and now I just feel like anyone can appear out of anywhere and they're like on the wild card flip for like that week. I, I don't even know what's going on. Dolph Ziggler can just attack someone on each show. And the fact that that's happening is basically, I, and I, I read this a little bit online, so I can't say all these opinions are mine, but this one specifically, it's kind of causing raw to kind of overflow into SmackDown to where you had a distinct two different shows before mm-hmm. you had the flagship raw and you had the land of opportunity SmackDown for the last two years. Now you've kind of got Raw and then the fallout from Raw while it's still happening. Basically, just with no universal championship. That's the only difference in that regard. So it's a little bit of a squandering there. But as far as things I would change, like the 24-7 championship, that was genius of them to bring that back. That was a good idea. Right. You're not going to be able to bring back the old hardcore championship. But the idea of it being defended 24-7 is great. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, what's not great is to see our truth literally running into the ring like the same the same scenario it's essentially like they keep setting up the same scenario with our truth he's either running in the back away from wrestlers or he's running like to the ring to avoid wrestlers you know what i mean right so i want to see like our truth you know like the great thing back in the day with the hardcore championship was you were getting like one of the most famous skits of all time you had crash holly at like an american fun usa against like some tag team and they were like fighting in a ball pit and through the arcade and everything. That's what makes sports entertainment and wrestling different. And that's what I want to see with the 24 seven championship. So I want to see, you know, our truth, like in other situations, you know, like he'll be at the masseuse and someone will like roll him over or something, you know, I want to see all kinds of situations a little bit different, a little bit outside the box. And that can give you your away from the ring time, but without being at like a cost to the actual wrestlers themselves, which is one of the biggest concerns the past couple of weeks with the lack of in-ring action. I don't know where you fall on that. Eh, I, I don't know where I fall on WWE anymore. I've been a lifelong fan, and it's just really frustrating. I like your ideas. I just, I, I'm at a point now where it's hardly watchable for me anymore. I fly to it on the DVR or read recaps on the internet, like I said. And I know, listen, I know that we are grown as adults talking about wrestling and I know some people out there listening and just people in general are like, seriously, man, that's what you're doing. You're grown ass adults talking about wrestling. Well, yes. And that bothers me. You know, that's why I've always defended wrestling and I always will because so what if it's fake, it's scripted, whatever have you. So are TV shows. So are movies. We know LA law is not a real TV show yet. We always watched it every week. You know what I'm saying? You're preaching to the choir on that one, Pat. I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's got all the drama you could want. My favorite thing, it's like a sports event that you can script. So they can have, you know, the the winning team's worst enemy come out and overturn the ruling, and then, you know, they lose 30 seconds later. Something you never see happen in sports, but it can happen in the world of professional wrestling. I'm getting way more I'm getting way more onto the outside scene. Like, like you've been saying, you know, that you're John Moxley's. I don't know if... Uh, I've never, you know, I mean, yeah. how much, uh, how much of that AEW event did you watch? Uh, the whole entire second half. I'll tell you, man, I've never been an indie guy. That's the thing too. I've been very mainstream. I've always been WWE or WCW when it was around. I never got into the indies. I never really got into ring of honor. I know so many superstars came from ring of honor that are, you know, some of the biggest names in wrestling now, but I've never gotten into new Japan. I didn't have intentions on first of being into AEW, but I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to be, because I really hope that they could push WWE to be better. Maybe they will. I don't know. But it seems to me 
that a lot of WWE stars would really like to get out of their contracts. I'll bet you if they could, half that roster would probably jump over to AEW tomorrow if they could. Yeah, I mean, to have creative control over what you love, I mean, is a huge thing. I mean, we'll talk about squandering opportunities. I mean, what? where are you on the NXT product real quick? Uh, I like it. Because I don't know, do you watch a lot of those? I, I mean, do. It seems like I, the story's wa- in there. I don't watch it every week, but I read, I'll, I'll read a recap every week. I watch the takeover shows. I, I catch some of it on, on, um, on the network, on WWE network. I like it. it it's, 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 it's exciting. The matches are always great. Maybe there's just not enough good wrestling on raw and SmackDown. I don't know what, I don't know, man. I don't know what the problem is, but to me, it's just fallen out of favor with me. It really has. I legitimately would rather watch an NXT show at this point than SmackDown or Raw. I really would. And I'm not just saying that. I mean it. Well, I think the reason you're saying that is because on NXT, I mean, it's like I said on WWE, you're getting segmented storylines that you just, you've either seen a million times and they're recycled or you just know they're going nowhere. Whereas on NXT, you see slow, steady builds. You see good follow through. And right. then obviously the takeovers, you know, have the ability to stand out, but it's because they're having these emotional buildups going into it that you feel like the stakes are raised when they eventually do get to face off. You're, you're 100% um, and right. then you got, yeah. So then you got, uh, I mean, let's see. I'm just thinking, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's an interesting effect though. Like you said, you're, you're more of an indie guy than you've ever been. So am I. And the reason is for me, is I mean I gotta see what Chris Jericho does next. His his most recent WWE run was legendary. With sure. the list. he got the list over big time. It was an inanimate object, and he had the he he would have crowds of thousands, you know, eating out of his hand. And now he's doing the same thing in uh, AEW by acting. And this is why kayfabe is great. He's acting like he doesn't like the company. You know, he kind of gives up the image that they're ungrateful for having, you know, him as their champion and everything like that. And it's just, and it's a great vibe because you just don't know what's quote unquote real and you don't know what's fake, you know? Well, I'll tell you with AEW, in fairness to WWE, it's pretty easy to put on a really good show when you've had three, what, three, four months to, with no other shows to have that time to put oh, together a course. show. Oh, of course. It better WWE be great. WWE is churning out yeah, it'll be, 20 shows a month. It's it'll, crazy. Right, exactly. It'll it'll be a different story. Not that they can't pull it off, but it won't be as easy for AEW to, to have an entertaining show once they go weekly in the fall when they're on TV every, I don't know, it might be Wednesdays, I've heard. that When they're on TV every week, it's not going to be so easy to, to, to have interesting, captivating storylines all the time. I hope they do, though, because I hope they push it. You know, last thing here, and then we're going to wrap this up, because you said something about slow bills with NXT that I really like. That's the thing with, with WWE. It's like, they just don't make, like Kevin Owens is another guy. Okay. He's gone for all this time. He comes back and now I almost don't care about him already. You know what I'm saying? It's like they have him with Kofi Kingston. He, he joins a new day because, because, um, what's it? Big he's out. And he, one week later, he turns on them. That, that's something that should have built for a while. Should have built up a better friendship, a better rapport with Kofi Kingston. Have him save his ass a few times. Have some backstage segments that were fun because they actually, when he introduced himself when he did Big E, with oh, you know, I thought that was actually really funny. But then a week later, he just turns on him. Have a slow build. I want to see their friendship develop. And then when Kevin Owens does turn on Kofi, it means more. You know what I'm saying? And I just, there's too many, that's just one instance, but there's just too many things for me in WWE that are like that. They just, 
It's like week by week booking. There's no long term plan in anything they do right now. It's exactly like you said. There's no long term plan. I would have loved to see the Big O storyline with with the New Day for like at least a couple of months. Could you imagine the fake like overly cheerful Kevin Owens? Yeah, that would have been so funny for months. Oh my gosh, that stuff would have wrote itself instead. It, you get it rid could of it. Have in been a week. Like, yep, it could have been like Jericho and, and Kevin Owens. It could have been the same kind of deal. You would have been invested in, you would have left your ass off. And then when he does eventually turn, just like he did on Jericho, look how much, when he finally turned on Jericho, that meant that slow build was awesome. And I could not wait to watch them two go at it. He turned on Kofi Kingston so fast. I really didn't care. I didn't have time to get invested in them, their story and care. That's just, it's just short-sighted. The best, the slow builds are the best. Like you said, because you get, to that point where you're almost so sure that they're going to turn on them that you become like numb to it. Whereas yeah, when Kevin Owens joins up with him the next week, you're expecting him to turn on him because he just joined up. Whereas instead you have, you know, the, the Jericho with the list, they were together for like five to six months before that happened. Then uh, like, if you think of back a couple of years ago, you had Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, they teamed up in like October or November out of nowhere. And everybody thought he was going to turn on him right away. That lasted long enough to become a WrestleMania feud in April. Right. So those are the big, those are the ones that pay off better. And it's all about the payoff on these storylines because eventually that's where you're getting, you're, that's how you're going to propel these characters up. That's how you lift them up and make them all superstars. And it's the reason why CM Punk isn't with this company anymore. Um, you know, he couldn't get his WrestleMania main event match. And the thing that kept pissing him off was, okay, here, you're going to have a match against The Undertaker. And then he's like, well, what's going to happen after the match? They're like, well, Undertaker beats you, and then he's off TV. And then they're like, okay, you're going to have a match against Brock Lesnar. And he's like, well, what's going to happen in that match? And he's like, well, Brock Lesnar's going to beat you, and then Brock Lesnar's off TV. I mean, how is CM Punk supposed to have a, you know, a functioning character in a show where he loses and then just can't even like talk to the guy the next night, you know? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. All right, everyone, give my man Maniac a follow on Twitter at Zach Sheldon. Of course, check out Trainwreck Sports. You can find them all over Twitter, all over Facebook. You can go to trainwrecksports.com. They got podcasts, videos, clips, gambling picks, all kinds of cool shit. Keep growing, Maniac, man. I've become a really, really big fan of yours. Hey, we're big fans of yours over at the podcast as well. So, yeah, definitely. Make sure to follow at Pat Moran tweets and make sure if you haven't already subscribe to this podcast. (laughs) All right. That is going to do it for this episode. Big, big thank you again to my man maniac from Trainwreck sports. That was fun. And you heard the man. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and do so. When you subscribe, new episodes automatically get sent directly to your phone, your computer, your iPad, your iPod, your laptop, whatever it is that you use. Doesn't even matter within just minutes of being released, actually within seconds of being released. That is always the benefit of being a subscriber to the show. You're going to get the new episodes before anyone else does. I have a new show every Tuesday, every Friday. Don't forget to also take a quick minute, rate and review the show. I say it all the time, and I say it because I mean it. 
Doing so really helps me grow this podcast tremendously. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Also, you can subscribe to our new YouTube channel. Just go on YouTube, type in Moranalytics Podcast, hit subscribe there, click that little bell next to it, you'll get notifications. I constantly am putting up highlight clips from current and past podcast episodes there. I got some original audio content getting ready to get started there as well. Maybe some videos, although I wouldn't hold my breath on that. And last, but certainly not least, don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Like the maniac said, man, follow me on Twitter at Pamaran Tweets. Thanks again for listening. I truly appreciate each and every single one of you. I love doing this show. I'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday. We'll have... Plenty to talk about. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.